Well, uh, welcome again. Today, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a look at that parable of the banquet, as it's called. Uh, as you know, parables are stories that Jesus essentially made up to teach. But I get nervous about saying he made it up to teach a lesson, because parables rarely have just one lesson. And Jesus rarely even gives you an interpretation. Most of them, he just tells the story and then just leaves it there. So you got to figure it out. And, uh, and parables also, they have another feature that's also kind of interesting. Most of them have what's called a reversal. So Jesus will set up the story in a certain way, and you'll expect the outcome to be a certain way, and then he'll flip it and say, that's what the kingdom of God is like. And then you're left going, whoa. And I imagine that he did that all the time, not for shock effect, but to help people see that God's ways are different than our ways. This one is like that, kind of a weird, unrealistic story, right? A king has a big wedding banquet and the people don't come. That would have been unheard of in the ancient world. The king invited you to his house. There was, you know, A, besides the good food, there was access to power. Nobody ever said no to the king. And people would have understood that if you insult the king, things happen. Right? I mean, it's kind of like you're going through this story and you're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, first of all, they dismiss him, then they make fun of him, then they kill his slaves. What did they think the king was going to do? Was he just going to sit and go home to his room and cry and go, oh, the cool kids won't invite me to let me have the party. All the popular people won't come. No, he did what kings do. He kills people and burns their cities to the ground. There's a story of uh, Genghis Khan. I know the most charitable guy in history. There was a story of, like, he had, there was some woman that was connected to him, and the king made fun of her, so he killed a million and a half people. Burned the whole, literally burned the whole city to the ground. That wasn't an unheard of thing in the ancient world. Uh, and so that's how you're going through the story. That's what you're expecting. It made sense. You would go, well, of course he did that. To us, it's harsh, why we live in a democracy. But th so that's what you would expect. But then comes the reversal. The king then decides that he's going to go out and invite everybody off the street to his banquet. That never happened. Right? That, that's too much association, too many variables. And, 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 and but, you know, I'd imagine there would be beggars coming in off the street, all you know, smelling and everything. No, no, he, this king did that. That would have been unheard of. And there's a line in here that I want you to think about a little bit more. Caught my attention again. It says, They went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. Both good and bad. This is what Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like. A giant banquet where everyone's invited to come and get free food, and the only requirement is that you be willing to show up. Both good and bad. No filtering, no pre-screening, no means testing. Just come and eat as you are. The only criteria is willingness to come. And he says this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And you go, but wait, Jesus. I thought only the good got into the kingdom of heaven. 
I, 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 thought you, I thought those who were bad would have to like clean up their act and prove that they'd clean up, up their act first and then made a profession of faith and a public repentance of all the things they had done wrong and then we would determine if they were good enough and then let them into the banquet. But Jesus doesn't say that. That's not how the parable goes. He does, the king doesn't say to his slaves, go pick out the good people. Just pick out people. This is what the kingdom of God is. You mean God just gets sitting there giving out free food willy-nilly? Even to the creepy guy? Apparently. There's no talk of whether the people who come to the banquet eventually change their ways either. I know that's kind of what we always figure. It's like, well, eventually they changed, right? Right? I mean, they, they came up from the banquet and realized, then realized the error of their ways and changed. I would hope so, but it doesn't say that. So what if they don't change? Do they still have a place in the kingdom of God? Don't they eventually have to get with the program? Should, shouldn't eventually, by the third banquet, there be some screening? Well, it doesn't say that. Now, you know, they don't, they don't have to be there. Right? They're choosing to be there. So it was voluntary, but it does say the room was filled. And, uh, you know, we know how much people probably like to turn down free food. So, I turned down free food. So I would guess, I would guess that the people who came felt very honored to be there. That they were probably blown away that they didn't have to beg, that they got good food. I'll bet they were very appreciative and they thanked the king profusely and never laughed at him or killed any of his staff. I mean, who would you rather party with? The people who will turn you down half the time because they think you should be honored to be in their presence? The people, the, you know, or the people who are grateful and will have a good time and be appreciative of it. I mean, I know how I'd answer that. Better a good party with the sinners, right? Than to be alone with the saints. Maybe they get clean, maybe they don't. I don't know. They have a good time in the short run. As you know, uh, one of the things I end up doing around town is I've got some friends who don't go to church. And I've got some friends who really don't go to church. And they're into some very interesting things and have some very interesting beliefs. Uh, one of these guys invited me last year to come and run the audio for his underground rap festival on Mount Lemmon. And I'll admit, I was being invited because I have a sound system, the old sound system we had from Open Space Church. And we've got speakers and stuff. And so, uh, you know, I, I knew there was a little bit of I love you for your sound system. But I thought, hey, I've known him for a while, good guy. All right, I'll help you out. This could be something different, right? How many underground Mount Lemon rap festivals have you ever run in your life, right? And so I went up there with him. He had a spot picked out. He had a generator, and there was going to be a stage, you know, by that log. And then there was a stage there and stage there. And was, he's got all these acts, and this is where they're going to park. He'd really thought this through. So I'm, I sat up there. I got the speakers. I even did some sound checking as much as I can do roadie stuff, right? We were all ready to go. 
everything was set. He had gotten like 15 or 20 acts that were going to play like the whole weekend long. So I was going to go up there. I told him, yeah, come back Saturday night so I can do church. Then I got to go back, um, collect the stuff. And uh, all planned out, right? Everything ready to go. The forecast comes in. It's going to rain. All right, raining on the festival. So what are we going to do? And the rain starts coming in last minute, um, as it always does, right, in Arizona in the summer. And uh, so then he said, okay, um, we're going to move the location. And there's this place on the east side, and he gave me this address. We're going to go over there and meet me at such and such a time. And I think it was 6 o'clock. Anyways, uh, so, okay, fine. Load up the van, get the sound system in it. I head over there to the address. It's a CBD shop. I get to the shop, pull out of my minivan, and go to the shop. There's nobody here. So I go into the shop. Hey, so-and-so here. Well, he said he's coming. All right. So I'm sitting there, me and the bongs, looking around, <laughs> twiddling my thumbs. Okay, let's see. This is different. So then finally he comes and pulls in late, and... Through only three of the whatever, however many acts actually showed up. And so I'm like, okay, well, where are we going to do this? He says, oh, there's a concert venue that the guy at the CBD shop owns. So we'll play at the concert venue. Well, then I see him haggling. No, the guy who manages the concert venue, he, he's not available. So you can have the parking lot, he said. Okay, fine. So I get out my table, get out my stuff. I got the whole sound system set up in the parking lot of a CBD shop on the east side. And uh, I'm all ready to go. The three acts show up. Some of them are, you know, a lot, a lot of people very, talk about fair weather friends. These were literally fair weather friends. But one of the guys, he'd even made it from one of the Ojibwe nations of Minnesota. Like him and his girlfriend came down like, this guy was serious. So we were like, okay, we're gonna, we are going to do a, we are going to do a rap concert whether, you know, if it's the last thing tonight. So there it was on a Saturday night. Everything's ready. They show up and said, you know what? You know, it's getting too hot here in this parking lot. Let's go to so-and-so's house. So, packed everything up, got it in my minivan, drove to some house even more farther to the east side in some neighborhood, pulled up, got into the house, there's people in there rolling all sorts of stuff. And I'm walking through, okay, fine. Where are we going to sing? The backyard swimming pool. We're going to perform on the deck of the swimming pool. Okay, this is different. So I'm like getting out extension cords and stringing it through the kitchen window. Like I, had no, I could not find an outside cord. I'm feeling like I'm quite the roadie. So then they're, ah, they start asking me questions because I didn't quite look like everybody else. <laughs> oh, why are you here? Oh, I'm, I brought the sound system because I'm with, you know, so-and-so's coordinating it. Oh, okay. Where'd you get that sound system? I'm like, here it comes. My church. <laughs> and it, you got a church sound system? How'd you get the church to give you the sound system? I'm the pastor of the church. Whoa, and you're here? Hey, do you want one? I'm like, I got to drive home, man. Which wasn't a lie. 
But it was kind of funny. So we set up. They did it. They, they, each of the acts got up there. They walked around the pool rapping, you know, and I'm sitting there trying to adjust the, these speakers as best I know how to adjust them. And, oh, but they were all intrigued. Oh, you're a pastor. How did you get here? How did you know about this place? They're, and talking to me, and they're really intrigued. And one guy was like, he had all these deep faith questions. I was like, man, I thought I was just bringing the sound system. Well, since there weren't many who showed up, they decided to live stream it. So there's a guy sitting there with his phone, you know, and he put it on a stand, and, and they're live streaming, and they get to the very end, and there's this guy, there's this duo rapping from Illinois, and they're up there shirtless, because apparently rap goes better when you're shirtless or something, I don't know. So they're up there shirtless rapping at each other, and they get to the end of the set, and the guy picks up his mic, and he goes, shout out to so-and-so for the house, and shout out to so-and-so for coordinating it. Then he looks over at me and goes, shout out to the preacher man for bringing the sound system. <laughs> Check out lordofgrace.org. That's what I should have said. And, you know, it, it was kind of interesting. So then the, as the sets wound down and, and everybody was kind of settling into whatever they were settling into, I said, I got to get going. And they helped me load it. I mean, they were helping me load the van. And, oh, you should come back next time we do this. I'm like, I'll remember you guys. They didn't reschedule one. And I, I, I walked away kind of going, you know, it, it was very different, but I think I left a good taste in their mouth about church with a bunch of people who never went to church. That instead of me judging them and calling them sinners and telling them to repent and wanting to put the censor button on their rap, because I won't lie, sometimes four and five letter words were employed, um, but I, I said, you know, the fact that there was a preacher there helping them with no judgment. I, the whole, I hope I left a good impression. At least I made it on the live stream. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, as I'm sit, sitting here going through the parable of the banquet, I'm like, you know, in many ways, this is much more what the kingdom of God should be like. People from wherever they are coming together in one big group you know, I, 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 think, I think it's easy to throw out words like inclusion and, and welcoming. But when you actually are confronted with people who really are different than you, it, you have to start bracketing aside, okay, you know. I better make sure I'm not judgmental about this. I may make sure I'm not saying you're welcome, but you better change X, Y, Z. I think a lot of people do think of the church that way, that that's what it means when you become a part of the church, is that you have to sort of take on this sort of middle-class lifestyle, you know? You, 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 better, you better go and, and get married and get a house in the suburbs with five kids in a minivan, says guy who's married with a house in the suburbs and five kids in a minivan. But, you know, I, I, I had a, one guy even tell me, you know, uh, he, he wasn't sure he could meet me because, you know, the... Does the pastor know I've got blue hair, lots of tattoos? I'm like, dude, if you knew the people I hung out with, that's the least thing. But they're convinced that I'm against them because I'm a preacher. 
I mean, think about how many churches would say to a girl that comes in that's all dressed up, you know, all gothy and the leather and the, the, the dark makeup and comes in with all the jewelry and various tattoos up here and walks in. How many would say you're welcome, but after about a few months would be like, okay, um, you know, you've been here a while. Now that you've been here a while, maybe time to give up that goth thing and that death. You know, maybe, maybe you should be good and respectable and you know, put on a sundress and fall in love with that mysteriously handsome and single bachelor who inherited the family toy company in his small town and is looking to revitalize the Christmas bake sale. Why don't you put on your Ugg boots and run the cookie bake sale? What if she comes and never changes? Are we okay with that? Are we okay with that? I think that's one of the questions you always kind of got to ask. I, I, you know, I know who I would rather have at the banquet is people with an open heart who look really different than people who look the right way and have a closed mind. Because I've run into some really nasty people in churches who get totally accepted because they look the right way and they talk the right way. And I've seen some of the most warm-hearted people not be accepted because of weird stylistic things. I've come to, to the belief, reading the Gospels over and over, that Jesus was not particularly concerned with being the style police or being the morality police. It wasn't like he didn't have standards of right and wrong, but he doesn't seem to make that a requirement. You always get this sense with the kingdom of God, like there's this urgency, and he's coming around like the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is now. We don't have time to sit and quibble about trying to get everybody to conform to this. We just got to grab everyone we can grab and get aboard this kingdom of God thing. A lot of the proper people in Jesus' day rejected him. They killed his disciples. And then you got Jesus welcoming good and bad to the banquet. I always aim for the church to try to be a reflection of the kingdom of God. I know we will never be anything but an imperfect version of that, but to always try to find a place at the table for all who are open and willing and not get hung up on lifestyle policing. Because if we aren't really bringing everyone to the table, then we're not living the kingdom. We're just bringing people like us. That's not the, what the banquet's about, is it? And I've also come over the years to realize that probably I need to have a little bit more faith that the Holy Spirit can guide on measures of morality and whatnot. That it's more my job to do the welcoming and the Spirit's job to do the changing. Leave the Spirit to do the Spirit's job. Spend my energy welcoming people to the banquet of the kingdom of God. Amen.